2020, episode 263. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? Just another show. Ion 2020, your source for the news and events of the 2020 election. Getting the show out a little late today. I usually do the show on Wednesday evenings, but I decided to wait until I can hear a little bit about what was going on in the debate last night. Uh, just because there was a Democratic debate last night. You might not know about it because they kind of get overlooked. But the thing about the de- this particular debate is that there was a lot less people on that stage than normal. So it didn't seem like too much of a um, giant mess, I guess you would say, of just way too many opinions and way too many people trying to get the limelight. So that in general was a good thing. And it seemed like it was pretty heavy-hitting in some ways also it was in las vegas so all of the punchlines were the biggest fight in vegas history the most expensive fight in vegas history since obviously michael bloomberg was there and he spent what 300 million dollars or something like that in order to get himself onto that debate stage so that was kind of the punchlines going on but uh, i just wanted to do a quick recap of the debate i didn't really watch too much of it i'm basically spent most of my time doing a little bit of research on what was said and what was the highlights of the debate just so that I can give you guys a general overview of what happened and that's what I'm going to go ahead and do really briefly and then I have something else to talk about as well. I don't want to make this entire show about the debate because to be honest with you guys seems like every single debate all they're doing they're trying to get these little one-liners going that's what the politicians are trying to do they're trying to have a good showing per se and that's what um, that's that's their entire goal. They're all saying the same things in general. They're all looking for larger government. They're all looking to, in my opinion, buy more votes from more people uh, by promising more stuff. And if they do that, then they think that they could win. And you know what? It seems like a pretty cunning strategy for them because it seems like the more and more you look at the Democratic candidates, the further and further left they try to go for a lot of them, but then there's others that are just trying to toe that line. Everyone has their own little message, you know, like uh, Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg, he's, they're, the two of them are just trying to be like the middle ground candidates, somewhere in between Bernie Sanders and uh, Joe Biden. That's their message. I'm electable. I'm somebody who can bring some change into the situation without too much so it doesn't scare too many people off. That's pretty much their message. And then you have Joe Biden, his message is, I can beat Donald Trump. And I think he's worn that out so much that it's not really working too much for him anymore. So those are three of the people that are on stage. And then you have uh, Michael Bloomberg who got on that stage. And his message basically is, I have the money and the resources to beat Donald Trump and I can do it. That's pretty much what he's saying, right? We need to get Donald Trump out of here and... I can do it. I have the resources. I have the the money and the 
and the electability, I guess you would say, in order to beat Donald Trump. But I don't think that, my personal feeling is, uh, I don't know that Michael Bloomberg would be able to beat Donald Trump. So looking at it from that perspective, those are those four. And then obviously you have the ones that are the furthest on the left, uh, Elizabeth Warren and then Bernie Sanders. We've all heard of them. We've all listened to them talk. And if you're a libertarian, you know, there's probably one issue that you would like them on, and that is maybe their anti-war stance that they have. But other than that, there's not really much that you would even think about when it comes to uh, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, because they do preach a all-encompassing type government, a government that has a lot of power and a lot of authority over the private sector and confiscating of wealth and different things of that nature that probably goes outside the bounds of the Constitution, or definitely goes outside the bounds of the Constitution, but they want, you know, Bernie Sanders talks about a revolution. That's what he wants. So those are the further left candidates, and those are the six that were on the stage. There were a missing element was uh, Tulsi Gabbard. She wasn't on there, but she's still running. And then Tom St- uh, Tom Steyer was not on that debate stage either because he did not qualify, even though he spent, I think he spent $100 million trying to get himself onto the debate stages and keep himself relevant in this race. He seems like he is taking off relatively well in South Carolina, though. And being from South Carolina, uh, they're the South Carolina is at the end of the month, it's going to be the fourth of the early states that are the early voting states, and it's going to be the second of the primary states. And he seems like he's taking off a little bit, taking a little bit of Joe Biden's fire. Uh, and you could see it. I live here in South Carolina. You could see it that he is really out there just putting lots of advertisements onto the TV. Even my kids know who he is by seeing the advertisements that he has as well through YouTube and they watch YouTube videos and I actually have it set up where they don't have to watch any videos because I pay for the YouTube plus or whatever that extra service is. But even so, somewhere else they're seeing Tom Steyer and Elizabeth Warren commercials constantly. So, and I think that's just because he is really focused in on getting that name recognition out there and it's worked in South Carolina to where he's starting to rise in the polls. Uh, He might end up coming in you know, second or even third in the state of South Carolina, who knows, but he wasn't on the debate stage, so does that hurt him or help him, Uh, that's yet to be seen, I'm not sure how many people actually pay attention to the debates, the numbers increasingly have gone down on the uh, viewership of the debates since last summer during the first debates, but people seem like they're paying a little bit more attention now to the nomination process they seem they're paying a little bit more attention to the election process going on i see it in my numbers even with the numbers of the show is they're jumping up so i wonder if it's going to start the numbers on these debates are going to start going up as well especially as you have less candidates so people are kind of solidifying behind their specific candidates as well uh tulsi gabbard was not on that stage i actually met a lady last night when i was at a uh, bar in my neighborhood, and she was wearing a Tulsi Gabbard shirt, and I was like, oh yeah, I like her for, you know, the anti-war stance that she has and stuff, um, the lady was a little bit, she seemed like a quite a liberal type person, but she was, uh, really hyped up about Tulsi Gabbard, and that was in South Carolina, it's the first person I've really seen wearing a Tulsi Gabbard shirt or anything, uh, but anyway, so that was the other thing that I wanted to mention as well about Bernie Sanders is, and Elizabeth Warren, and a lot of these candidates, like, 
the left-leaning folks are so focused in on domestic issues and stuff that, and just beating Donald Trump, I guess, that the war and the anti-war stance that a candidate has is completely put in the back burner, and they don't talk about it whatsoever. If it was important to them, they would talk about it. Not brought up during the debate last night, from my understanding. And then on top of that, Bernie Sanders had an entire town hall where he didn't mention anything about foreign policy and pulling out of different um, wars that we're in, pulling out of Afghanistan. There's nothing being said about that stuff. And it's just depressing to me because the country does have, has has extended its resources too far, especially the resources of the best and brightest, the soldiers that are out there put on the front lines. You see it in Afghanistan. There's a, there's multiple deaths over the course of the last couple of months in Afghanistan in a war that's not going to be able to be won. Yeah, obviously, America can go in there and nuke the entire place. Yes, it can be won. In that sense, if you would call that a win even, obviously that wouldn't be considered a win. But this is a country that still has the Taliban, has a huge foothold in this country almost 20 years later, guys. Almost 20 years later, and it's in, they still have influence in a lot of these areas of this country. And the reason why is because it's such a tribal area. You might have control over the capital somewhat, but you're not going to get control over these little villages sporadically through these enormous mountains that are out there. It's just a very uncontrollable place. And we still are losing soldiers over there, and it's just something that Donald Trump said it. We need to bring the troops home. Donald Trump has said it multiple times, but that deep state element will not allow it. It just seems like to me. So, um, I, I mean, every time he says something about pulling out, a couple days later, someone in his administration says, yeah, he's not really serious about that, or it's not really happening, and so forth. So that's the reality of this thing, and nobody on that Democratic stage is willing to talk about it either. So if that's the case, when they get into... If they actually, if one of them actually wins, if Bernie Sanders actually beat Donald Trump, is that going to be his first priority? Or is he going to, is he going to sit there and say, you know what, I will compromise, okay? If you give me my domestic issues, y'all can have your foreign policy. Give me that domestic, what I want domestically. That's where he'll compromise. I think there needs to be a candidate out there that won't compromise on that. Because one life lost in Afghanistan of a soldier is too many at this point, in my opinion. I love those people that are out there. I mean, if they're willing to serve the country, you know, in that way, defend the country, then so be it. Let them defend the country. But this is not defending the country at this point. It really isn't. And that's what, that's the problem I have. And that's why you don't see, or that's why I think you need to see a good, solid anti-war candidate. And there just is not one. We do have it in our libertarian candidates, though. I don't think that they would compromise on this particular issue. So, anyway, I wanted to get off of that subject really quick. Um, just that's the, that's the one thing that you don't see in these candidates right now. But last night's debate, wow. All you hear about is how terrible everybody did except for Elizabeth Warren. And Elizabeth Warren apparently came out with gloves on, ready to fight, in Vegas to tear it up and it was uh she was going after Bernie Sanders 
She was going after Pete Buttigieg and especially going after um, Michael Bloomberg. And if you look at Michael Bloomberg, he had a very poor showing uh, at this debate as well. A lot of people say that he spent $300 million and just got torn up because they saw who he was. A lot of people were saying after the debate that he looked like he just did not want to be there and he did not defend himself and he was always on his heels. And it's true, I heard a couple of takes and they would challenge him on his issues of uh, stop and frisk and he would actually defend, he would not defend it, but he would say something to the effect of, yeah, it's something that shouldn't have been done, it was instituted the wrong way, but he never spun it back to a positive. He was not ready to be he wasn't ready to defend himself on those things and take it to a different level. Like, if you're attacked, you should respond to it briefly and then get off of it and get into what I've been doing. And he did not do that. I don't think that he was well coached. If you have that much money to spend, you'd think you'd have way better coaches that you would not leave this with people saying that you completely got destroyed by all of the candidates. Pete Buttigieg was attacking him. Elizabeth Warren was attacking him. Bernie Sanders was attacking him talking about he had more wealth than the bottom 100 million people in America or something like that. Like, that is a thing that Bernie Sanders would do, but you can fight back on that. You're a billionaire. You've created lots and lots of jobs. Like, there's lots of ways for you to do that. There's a, you've created an entire new way to work Wall Street. Like, every company uses Bloomberg. Every, you know, the software that they provide, every is used on Wall Street, and every major bank that does any trading on Wall Street uses that product. So he has the ability to talk about those things. We revolutionized the way that trading was done on Wall Street, and it wouldn't be the same ever since, you know? Like, he has that ability to do that, and he didn't do it. Not to defend him and not to defend his policies, I'm just saying he was getting just... He was he was back on his heels the whole time, and it was a pure knockout for him. For him. Um... They're saying that Pete Buttigieg did not look... Like, he looked confident, but he didn't, you know, respond to things very well. He did not have a, a good... A, like, a, any good highlights for the entire debate. They were saying Amy, Amy Klobuchar was expected to do really good during this particular debate as well because she had such a huge showing at the last debate, which actually led her to... propelled her to be in third place in New Hampshire. And they said that it just was... She came off flat the entire time as well. The person that had the best debate was Elizabeth Warren. She had a excellent debate because she came out attacking, and it will really help her. Will it help her in Nevada? I think all she's really going to do is take away votes from Bernie Sanders and maybe a few from Pete Buttigieg. So she might come in, in at a strong second or third, but she might just because of this debate. We'll see what happens. And we'll know that more on Saturday because that's when they're actually having their caucuses in in uh, in Nevada as well. So that'll be interesting to see. There's uh, something that I wanted to I wanted to get off the subject of the debate now because it, I I really don't want to make my entire show about the debates every single time. Uh, and I wanted to talk about something that you'll see on the news. And I have a quick clip for you to listen to. Uh, so here it goes. The war in Syria looked as though it was going to be very bloody and very complicated with a lot of different countries involved. And both of those things have turned out to be true. But Margaret, you know, when you talk to Syrians in places like Idlib, oftentimes they'll tell you that they hate the Syrian regime, they hate Russia, but they are also furious with the US for not having done more to defend them against the, the horrors of this war. Holly Williams in Istanbul. 
So if you listen to that clip, the key part is at the end when she says, if you talk to people in Iblib, a lot of times they'll say they don't like the uh, the Syrian government, they don't like the Russians being there, but more importantly, they don't, or they're angry at the U.S. because they're not doing more to stop this. And that, to me, is a huge little propaganda piece in the sense to place it into people's minds that America needs to do more to stop it. it I think it's just the, it's just a subtle propaganda piece because if you went and you talked to anybody anywhere, so let's say you took an average American and you walked out and you were on the street and you said, hey, do you support Donald Trump? 50% would say yes, 50% would say no, right? That's just the way it is. In any situation, you're going to have that. So, And then you're going to have some people that might be a little bit more militant about it. And then you're going to have some people that just don't care. Like you're going to be on the street and you're going to talk to people and everyone has different opinions. But the way that they presented that as this little propaganda piece was that the people in Iblib province in Syria, that they are angry at the U.S. for not doing more. Angry at the U.S. for not doing more, which that's just not the case for every single person I think like like she went out there and interviewed all these people in Iblib no she's this is just talking points that she's using in order to get people to think to themselves oh yeah America needs to do more these people are angry because America's not doing more because Russia's in there and Syria's in there this is Syrian territory that's covered that is uh t- been taken over by these ex-Islamic fighters, these ISIS fighters, and it's not controlled by the Syrian government. So Syria, in that sense, is going in there trying to claim back their territory. Um, but the news reporting is that America needs to get in there and, and, and help these people even more when all that is that propaganda piece. The way that they framed it is as if every single person in that, in that city is just angry at America. I bet they don't even care. Actually, I bet you 90% of them would say, why would we want America here? Look what happened in Iraq, Libya, Afghanistan, Yemen, you know, the West Bank. Like, look what happens when America gets involved in this stuff. That's probably what they're thinking. The vast majority of them, that's what they're thinking. They're not thinking, oh God, I hope America gets in here and stops this atrocity that's going on in my city that just that's it's just propaganda you need to look for subtle hints of propaganda whenever whenever you're uh listening to the news because that's that was the when i heard that i was just like that is just pure propaganda because not every single person in that city thinks that maybe there's 10 15 20 percent that are angry at america for not intervening more there's got to be a few that would feel that way, but it's not the whole city. So guys, when you're out there just listening to the news, when you're, you know, realize that, tell your friends about that though, okay? Let them know that these little pieces of propaganda are out there to try to sway public opinion towards an end goal. And who's behind that? Is it the war state that's behind that? Is it the war industrial complex that's behind stuff like that? I don't know. It could be. Or it could be just, you know, different pe- different groups that want to have some control in those areas. But most likely it's just the propaganda that's being put out there in order to try to change people's minds towards 
being okay with intervening in those countries more. But we've seen the results of it. We have Afghanistan, Iraq, Yemen, Syria now even. And you see it in Libya. You see it anywhere that we've intervened in the Middle East. It's kind of gone awry. Libya is still just, you know, almost 10 years later is not a safe place to be, not a peaceful place to be. So keep that in mind. It's it's just propaganda. But hey, guys, that's all I got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, keep on coming back. I'm doing this Monday Monday and Thursday for you. I'll make sure that I put together a, you know some great shows for you on libertarian topics soon. The libertarian candidates are starting to get out there, and their states are having their conventions now. So I'll start covering some of those as well and what they've been talking about. Uh, see who's the front runner going into the uh, the convention that we're going to be having in the end of March or in the end of May and uh, keep 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 yourself tuned in for that okay because we're going to get into some good libertarian talk topics this way well so uh but best thing you could do though go and subscribe to the show and give me a five-star rating and review that's always helpful uh if you want to check me out on iontheempire.com or i the empire on facebook and on twitter uh I'll go ahead and post some articles there i've been just a little bit reluctant to post too many articles there lately but i'm going to start getting into it again uh, so keep an eye out there, all right? And then the best thing you do, though, is come on back on Monday so you can have clear vision for 2020.